As we start our message today, I want to ask you this question. What gives you life? What gives you life? It's a very broad question when you think about it because there's lots and lots of different answers that we could give to it. For some of us, we might immediately think oxygen. Oxygen gives me life. If I don't have any air to breathe, I'm kind of in trouble. Or we might think about the blood that's pumping around our bodies. If we don't have blood, then we don't have life. Some of us might have gone a little bit further and thought about things like water and food. If we don't have something to eat, if we don't have something to drink, then we're not really going to be able to have life either. Some of us might have gone a little bit further than that and we might think about relationships. Well, it's all well and good to be able to breathe and have blood pumping around our bodies and to be able to eat and drink things, but if we're in isolation, we know we're not really living. It's the relationships that we have around us and the sense of connectedness that we have to one another that gives us a sense of life. Some of us, if we were thinking really deeply and really profoundly, might have started to think about a sense of purpose or a sense of meaning. Because even if we have air and blood pumping around our bodies, even if we have food and water, even if we have relationships, but we have no sense of purpose and no sense of meaning in our lives, is that really what life is all about? It's a fascinating question for us to wrestle with. And ultimately, for those of us who follow Jesus, if we unpack that long enough, we will ultimately get to the answer, Jesus. When we talk about this question of what gives us life, for people who follow Jesus, at some point in the conversation, we would start to say, Jesus is the one who gives us life. Obviously, we need our physical needs taken care of. Obviously, we need our relational needs taken care of. But at the end of the day, we believe that that sense of meaning and that sense of purpose ultimately comes from Jesus, that he's the one who gives us life. And so that's what we're going to unpack a little bit more as we go through our message today. We're spending February taking a bit of time to talk about why we're here as a church. And so last week we started this by recognising that as a church we're here for a very simple reason. We're here to make disciples. That's why we're here. And we unpacked that last week to talk about the idea of making disciples is really about making apprentices. That when we talk about following Jesus, we're really talking about being apprentices to Jesus. People who are trying to learn the ways of Jesus and who are trying to become like our master, Jesus. But we said for us as a church, we've articulated what that process looks like with these really three, uh, three very important statements for us. That we believe being apprentices to Jesus means being a part of a Jesus-centred spiritual family who are seeing lives change. Jesus-centred spiritual family who are seeing lives change. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to take some time to unpack each of those statements. Today, we're going to talk a bit more about what it means to be Jesus-centred and to recognise that ultimately, for us, we believe that Jesus is the one who gives us that sense of purpose and meaning, that Jesus is the one who shows us what God is like. Jesus is the one who ultimately leads us as a church, and so we want to stay centred on him. Next week, we'll talk more about the idea of spiritual family, to say that's why we believe that we're here as a church community, is to be the best version of what spiritual family looks like, a place where you belong, a place that feels like home, a place where you are supported and encouraged, but also where you're challenged to be the best that you can be. We'll talk more about that next week. And then in the last week of this series, we're going to talk about what it means for us to see lives change. That we believe as people who are apprentices of Jesus, as people who are part of a Jesus-centered spiritual family, our lives should be being transformed. 
we should be changing into the people that God created us to be. And so we'll talk about that more in a few weeks' time. But today we want to start by talking about what it looks like for us to be Jesus-centred. And it's interesting for us to wrestle with this question that we sometimes take for granted if we've been around church for a while. Why do we believe that Jesus is central to all that we're about? What is different about Jesus that makes us focus on him above everything else? Ultimately, in our church, we believe that everything we do comes back to Jesus, that Jesus did come to show us exactly what God is like to show us what God's love looks like when it's got flesh on it, practically speaking. We believe that Jesus came to show us who we are and what we're all about, that Jesus came to show us what God has for us, and that Jesus came ultimately to show us how to live the lives that we were created to live. All of those things we believe that we discover through Jesus. And for us, as a part of the Churches of Christ movement, this has been central to who we are since the very beginning. It's right there in our name. When we were deciding who are we going to be called as we begin this new movement, where we're trying to get back to the basics of what following Jesus is all about, the decision was we should call ourselves Churches of Christ because ultimately that's what we're about, following Jesus Christ. It's been there since the very beginning. And as a movement, we believe that that's what holds us together, that ultimately we can have different theologies, we can have different practices, we can have a whole bunch of different things that we believe, but at the end of the day, Jesus is the one who unites us together, which is why the practice of celebrating communion is so important to us week in and week out. So, We want to be a church that's Jesus-centred. But as I was getting ready for this week, and as I was thinking about where we're heading this year, I was challenged a little bit to recognise that being Jesus-centred is not just about what we believe, and it's not even just about our actions. But being Jesus-centred is actually about our relational connection with God. That it's much more than just a belief system. It's much more than just a set of practices. Being Jesus-centred means the very essence of who we are is connected to Jesus. That our very life does flow from who he is and what he is all about. That our focus as people who follow him is to be Jesus-centred, to centre all of our lives on who he is and what he's got for us. And so in today's reading, that's what we see Jesus unpacking. And this comes at a really, really crucial time in Jesus' life. There's a few chapters in the book of John, one of the biographies about Jesus' life, where we see him spending time with his disciples on his final night before his crucifixion, the events that we reflect on and that we remember on Good Friday. And so Jesus takes this time to be with his disciples, with his closest friends, and to be able to unpack for them what's most important. These are the things that I want you to hold on to, given what's about to unfold. And so there's all of these beautiful words that Jesus shares, and we're going to look at some of them today. We're going to look at some more of them next week. And uh, we also know that Jesus spent some time praying for his disciples and then also gave them this beautiful symbol of communion as a way of being able to remember everything that he was talking about. And so in the midst of this conversation that Jesus is having with his followers about what it means to follow him and to continue to follow him, he says these beautiful words with this beautiful image of a vine. In John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the real vine and my father is the gardener. 
Now, Jesus is talking about something that the disciples would have known was an image that had been used about the people of Israel throughout the Old Testament. Throughout time, the people of Israel were understood, one of the ways they understood themselves was to be a vine. It was regularly talked about that the people of Israel are this vine and ideally they're being looked after by God, the gardener, and the Israelites were in theory supposed to then produce fruit and to grow and be healthy and be this beautiful vine that represented everything about life with God. However, we know that the Israelites frequently got a little bit distracted and focused on other things and in actual fact regularly cut themselves off from God and regularly became barren and stopped bearing the fruit that God had for them. And so Jesus starts this imagery by saying, not just I am the vine, but I am the real vine, challenging them to say, this isn't actually about a group of people anymore, it's about me. I'm the real vine, the true vine, the actual vine, the perfect vine. And my father is the gardener. Now, in old school translations of what this verse looks like, there's this beautiful word that's used, which is vine dresser, which I think is really, really helpful for us as we think about the idea of God tending to the vine. Because for some of us, and I definitely am one of these people, sometimes gardening can be a little bit functional. It's just about, I know I need to go and do the gardening. I need to go and pull up the weeds because otherwise they're going to get worse. I know I need to go and water the plants because otherwise they're going to die. But it's a little bit like i just got to go and get this done. When we think about gardening, sometimes we can think that way. But that's not what we think about when we think about a vine dresser. Someone who has this beautiful relationship with the vines in their vineyard. Someone who cares about the health of the plants, wants them to be able to flourish. Now, as I was thinking about what this looks like, I thought about our good friend Dulcie, who has this beautiful garden at her house, and we know cares deeply about the plants that she's got. I think back a couple of weeks ago when uh, it was really, really hot, and she was feeling this sense of how her plants were wilting, and she was trying to look after them, bring some into the shade so that they could be taken care of. It's this genuine relationship that we know Dulcie's got with her garden that gives us beautiful flowers every single week. That's the type of relationship that Jesus says God has with the vine. And that's very important for us to hold on to because of what Jesus says next. In verse 2, he says, He, the gardener, God, breaks off every branch in me, Jesus, the vine, that does not bear fruit. And he prunes every branch that does bear fruit so that it will be clean and bear more fruit. And so if we have this image of a functional gardener, we can kind of think, oh, cut that off, throw that out, that's useless, whatever. But when we understand God as the vine dresser who cares deeply about the vine, this is not a process of just, oh, whatever. There's a deep sense of care that God is putting into the vine. Jesus reminds us that the purpose of a vine is to bear fruit. Ultimately, that's why it's there, so that it can produce grapes. And so we have this interesting concept in gardening that's called pruning where we don't just cut off the dead branches and the things that we know aren't producing any life anymore, but we take the time to cut back things that are healthy sometimes. And I remember when I first started getting into gardening a little bit more, it was kind of shocking for me, especially when you think about roses. It's all this beautiful growth and all this lush greenery. No, cut it off. Cut it back because if you want it to produce flowers, if you want it to produce fruit, you actually need to cut back healthy growth so that the plant can be as healthy as possible and pour its resources into the things that are most important. 
And this imagery of pruning is used regularly throughout Scripture in terms of what our relationship with God is like and what God wants us to be able to do with our lives. That we're regularly challenged to cut off the things in our lives that are dead, yes, but that we're also challenged to cut off the things in our lives that might even be healthy things but are stopping us from producing the fruit that we should be able to produce. The fruit, obviously, that we're talking about here is things like the fruit of the Spirit. So others-centred love, having joy in our lives, peace, being self-controlled. These are the fruit of the Spirit. And all of this fruit comes from the vine. It ultimately comes from Jesus, not from the branches, as we're going to continue to unpack. But that's a really, really important thing for us to recognise as we continue on. It's not about what we do in order for us to produce fruit in our lives. We don't have to be anxiously trying as hard as we possibly can to produce fruit. All that Jesus says we need to do, actually, is stay connected to the vine. Stay connected to him and this fruit will be produced in our lives. We'll come back to that. In verse 3, Jesus then says to his disciples, you've been made clean already by the teaching that I've given you. Which is a good reminder that following Jesus is not about what we do, but it's simply about putting our trust in Jesus' teaching and our understanding of what Jesus has done for us. Then in verses 4 and 5, Jesus says, Remain united to me, and I will remain united to you. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself. It can do so only if it remains in the vine. In the same way, you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will bear much fruit, for you can do nothing without me. Now, it might seem like Jesus is repeating himself a little bit here. He is. And whenever he does that, it's important for us to pay attention because Jesus doesn't just randomly forget what he was talking about. There's a reason why Jesus restates things and says them more than once. And this is one of those times. He reminds his disciples that he is the vine. Jesus is the one who has the roots that sink down into the soil. Jesus is the one who has the trunk that holds everything together. Jesus is the one who's breathing all of the nutrients and the life force into the whole vine. We are the branches. And this is a good reminder that we are not individual vines who are all spread out in a vineyard on our own. We are branches that are connected to the one vine. We're branches that are all connected to Jesus. And so Jesus says, remain united to me. And other translations talk about dwelling, living, abiding, these beautiful concepts of setting up home with Jesus, drawing our life from Jesus, the true vine. Because Jesus reminds us that without him, we can't do anything. Well, we can do lots and lots of things, actually, but we can't do anything that's ultimately going to produce the fruit that God wants us to produce in our lives. It's a good reminder, though, that if we're connected as branches to the vine, then by default, it also means that we're connected to each other. We're not vines that are just spread out over the vineyard, as I said. We are, each one of us, connected to each other. Our resources flow through each other. Jesus flows through us as we stay connected with each other, and not just within our church, but within all of the churches. All of the people who follow Jesus are ultimately connected to him, and we're connected to each other as branches. In verse 6, 
Jesus then says, Those who don't remain in me are thrown out like a branch and dry up. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire where they are burned. Now, this is where some of us might start to squirm a little bit. Oh, this feels a little bit uncomfortable. So non-fruit-bearing branches are broken off, tossed away until they're all kind of dry and crusty, and then they're burned up in the fire as firewood. Seems a little bit harsh. So is Jesus saying here that if I don't get my act together, if I don't bear enough fruit in my life, then ultimately God's going to snap me off, throw me away, burn me up in the fire? Well, we don't think that's what God is saying through Jesus at this point at all. It can seem harsh, but it's really, really vivid imagery that Jesus is using to remind us of just how passionate God is about us making sure that the things that are in our lives are fruit-producing and how passionate God is about us getting rid of the stuff in our lives that is not going to produce fruit, the things that aren't God's best. God doesn't want us to waste resources on things that ultimately are not going to produce the fruit that he wants to produce in our lives. It's an interesting thought that when we dry up, we are using up resources that are a part of the vine. And so this isn't just a question for us to wrestle with, but as I said earlier, if we're all connected to each other, then if I'm just chewing up the resources from the vine and they're not producing any fruit at all, That's not just having an impact on me, that's having an impact on all of us as well. And so the question that we need to wrestle with from this verse is, are we using everything that we're giving so that we can produce the fruit that God wants us to produce in our lives, or are we just trying to grow bigger and bigger and bigger? It's a ridiculous thought, but if you think about a vine which has one branch that just wants to say, I want to be the biggest branch possible. I want to produce as many leaves as possible. I want to spread out and dominate and take things over. We know that's not healthy because ultimately we should be focused on how much fruit we're producing, not how big we're getting. It's a challenge for us, not just individually, but also for us as a church. Is our focus on producing fruit Or is our focus on just trying to grow bigger and bigger? So what are some examples of this? This is a little bit theoretical, so let's make this practical. When I think about the resources that we're given, the first place that I go to is time. Every single one of us has 168 hours every week. We can't get any more and you can't have any less than that. That's how many we've got each week. And so every time I make a choice, I'm saying I'm going to use this valuable resource that is limited for this thing instead of this. So the question I need to wrestle with is, are the hours that I'm spending producing the fruit that God wants to produce in my life? You can also think about how much energy we have. We all have limited energy. Some of us at different times feel like we've got even more limited energy than at other times. But all of us have limited energy. And so we need to be clear about how we're expending that energy. Are we focused on the priorities that God has for us? Are we focused on the things that are going to produce the most fruit in our lives? As a church... We need to think about how we spend our time when we're together. We only have a limited amount of time that we get to spend together week by week. So are we making sure that we're making the most of our times together? Are we producing as much fruit as we possibly can when we're gathered? We also have limited resources in terms of our volunteer hours, the time that we spend serving together. So are we making sure that all the things that we're involved in are things that are ultimately going to produce as much fruit as possible? 
Now, there's one caveat that I want to throw in here because some of us might be starting to feel a bit uncomfortable at this point because this can make us feel like, oh, great, now I've got to make sure that every minute of every day is accounted for and that I'm doing the things that God wants me to do and I've got to make sure I'm hyper-scheduled and super-focused. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about producing fruit. And some of the fruit that God wants to produce in our lives can only come when we're well-rested. Some of the fruit that God wants to produce in our lives can only come when we've spent time with the people who are important to us. So this isn't just about we've got to make sure we're doing, 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 doing all the time. But it's saying, am I regularly taking time to focus on the important things, to spend time connected to Jesus, to spend time connected with other people, to spend time doing things that are life-giving for me so that ultimately I can produce the fruit that God wants to produce in my life. Jesus then finishes this passage with a promise. He says in verse 7, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you will ask for anything you wish and you shall have it. My Father's glory is shown by you bearing much fruit, and in this way you become my disciples. It's a pretty good promise that Jesus says. If we remain in him and his words remain in us, If we stay connected to Jesus, if we stay focused on his teaching, what he's taught us about how to live our lives, then we can ask for whatever we want and we'll get it. That sounds too good to be true. It's almost like a genie. You can rub the bottle, Jesus pops out and says, I am here to grant you three wishes. Is that how this works? I don't think so. Obviously not. What Jesus is actually saying here is that if we spend time connected to him, If we spend time learning from him, if we spend time trying to be like him, being his apprentices, then ultimately our desires over time will completely align with God's desires. And so our wants will actually become the same as God's wants. And so we can then ask confidently for whatever we want, because what we want, we know, is the same as what God wants. It's the challenge for us to continue to throw ourselves in until we're completely aligned with God's heart and God's purposes. So as we head into this year as a church, this is our focus. We want to be Jesus-centred. We want to stay connected to Jesus in everything that we're doing. We've set one big goal for ourselves around this idea of being Jesus-centred, and it's this. Our goal for this year is that we want to help people take their next steps in their walk with Jesus. That's one of the big things that we want to focus on as a church, is to say for all of us as apprentices of Jesus, there are next steps for us to take. And whether we're at the beginning of our journey where we're just starting to discover who Jesus is and learning about him, or whether we've been doing this all of our lives, all of us have next steps in our walk with Jesus to stay more connected to him and to grow more like him. So there's lots of opportunities for us to take those next steps in the things that we do. Our times together on Sundays are a great opportunity for us to take our next steps in our walk with Jesus. We hope that as we continue into this year, these will be great times of us coming together and having some music that helps us to centre on Jesus and be reminded about who he is and what he's done. That We'll be encouraged about the things that are happening for us as a spiritual family that will take some time to unpack scripture, and that as we then gather around the communion table each week, there'll be an opportunity for us to respond and to say, this is what the next thing is for me this week. This is one thing that I feel like God's challenging me to think about or to put into practice or to question or to work through in my journey with Jesus. 
We also have our small groups, which are great opportunities for us to take those next steps too. So we have a small group that's on Tuesday afternoons from 1 until 2.30, which is an opportunity for us to dig in more to the stuff that we talk about on Sundays. And so on Tuesdays when we get together, it's a time of us connecting, but also an opportunity for us to unpack the themes that we talk about week in and week out and our key scripture. So this week, we'll be digging more into what does it mean for us to be connected to Jesus We'll unpack this passage in more detail, take some time to really wrestle with, well, what does it mean that Jesus says some branches get cut off because they're dead and thrown into the fire? That is something we should spend some more time talking about. We don't have the opportunity to explore those questions in a format like this, but when we turn our chairs in and face each other, we can have conversations around those things and the things that we're processing. And so if you'd like to join us for our Tuesday afternoon small group, you're welcome any week. You don't have to show up every single week. If you want to come any time, you're very welcome. We then have a Wednesday night small group, which goes from 7 until 8.30. And that one has a little bit of a different focus because one of the things that we'll talk more about next week that we're looking to do is to help people have a good entry place as they explore what it means to follow Jesus. And so we think particularly about people who are involved with our Sparkling Diamonds Netball Club, with our play group, parents of the students who come to our youth group. We'd love to have a space for them to be able to feel a bit more connected to each other and to us, but also a place to be able to unpack some of the questions that we all wrestle with but often don't have space to be able to do. Questions around meaning, purpose, relationships, what is life all about? And so that's the emphasis with our Wednesday night group. So same thing, you're welcome to come along to that any time that you'd like. So our small groups are great opportunities for us to take those next steps. For our kids and our youth, We are hoping and praying that they'll take their next steps in their walk with Jesus too, and so there's a clear focus on that. With God's gang, this week, they're talking about the same things as us. They're using the same imagery of the vine and the branches, and so our hope is that for those of us who are parents, we've got opportunities to unpack these things and say, this is what I'm learning. What have you been learning in what we're processing together? Our youth group, we also hope, will help our students to continue to discover what life is all about. And then there'll be other opportunities as we step further into the year to talk more specifically about some things that might just give you a bit of a lift in wherever you're at in your journey. In particular, we're going to run a DNA lunch in a few weeks, which is an opportunity for people who are newer to be able to find out a bit more about who we are as a church, why we're here, what it means to be involved. And so that might be a good next step thing. For others, we're going to run some equipping courses as we go through this year, and they might be one-day or half-day seminars. They might be over a couple of weeks, but an opportunity to discover more about what it means to follow Jesus together. They could be things that are focused on how to read Scripture or how to pray. could be things about how to understand the way that we're wired and to get involved in what God has got for us. All of these things ultimately are focused on helping us be more Jesus-centred. That's our desire as we head into this year, to say how do we individually and collectively see God produce more fruit in our lives as we go through this year. So as we wrap up our message and get ready to move into a time of responding around the communion table, I want to leave you with this question. What is my next step in becoming even more Jesus-centred? As I think about this week and as I think about this year, What's something that's in my mind that I know is a next step that I can take in terms of becoming more Jesus-centred? It could be to do with one of the things that I've just talked about, our mindset in terms of coming along on a Sunday, getting involved in a small group. It could be about jumping into one of the things that we're going to run throughout this year. 
But it could also be as simple as saying, this week I'm going to intentionally take some time to stop and to recognise that I am connected to Jesus. That right now, in this moment, Jesus has resources that he's pouring into my life. And so in the morning, at lunchtime, in the afternoon, in the evening, can I stop, even if it's just for a moment, and make that connection? Jesus is here and I'm connected to him. For some of us, it might be about reading some scripture. It could be this passage or other passages to allow us to reflect. For some of us, it could be listening to some music. We hope that the songs that we sing together are really, really helpful in us continuing to feel more connected to Jesus. had a great conversation in our Wednesday night small group last week about how some of the new songs that we've introduced have just stuck in people's minds. And they caught themselves randomly either singing the songs in their head or humming them and realised, oh, that's that song. That's, that's really, really great. That's the idea with these songs is that they call us to a recognition that we're connected to Jesus and to following him together. It could be just about going for a walk along the beach or a walk in a park or sitting down somewhere and saying, I'm connected to Jesus. As we head into this week, what's one thing that you can do That is a helpful next step for you so that you can feel more connected to Jesus. Receive the resources that he's got for you so that ultimately you can produce more of the fruit that he's got for us in our lives. I'm going to pray and then Mark's going to come and lead us around the communion table. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the vine that you are ultimately the one who has your roots sunk down deep into the soil of who God is, that you are the trunk who is solid, that holds us all together, that ultimately you're the one who breathes resources, nutrients into our lives so that we can be the people that you want us to be. Thank you that all of that is true, that you don't say in this passage that we have to work to become branches that are attached to you. You tell us that you are the vine And we are the branches. Right now, in this moment, we are connected to you. And all you call us to do is to continue to focus on deepening and strengthening that connection. So we thank you for this awesome gift that you've given us that's true now. And I pray that as we step into this week and as we step into this year, that we would continue to, in deeper and deeper ways, understand what it looks like to abide in you, to get our life from you to get our resources, our nutrients from you so that ultimately we can be the people you want us to be and produce the fruit that you want us to produce. In your name we pray. Amen.